Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the NBA Playoff Preview with Adrian Hernandez. Only on 1140 The Bet. Oh boy, here's the thing. This is the busiest NBA playoffs slash NBA finals preview we've ever done. Like the fancy voice guy said, good morning if you're tuned in on 1140 The Bet Las Vegas. Or if you're on that Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, like the voice guy said, Adrian Hernandez here. It is the middle of game four. So if you're listening to this, you already know what happened. But we still have some of the best in the business covering these finals. So we went to the Bay Area. Sam Espandari from the Light Years Podcast joins us to give us that Warriors perspective. And then we went back to the East Coast to Boston. John Corrales, who covers the Celtics for the Boston Sports Journal. And he has his own podcast, Locked On Celtics Podcast. They covered this team all throughout the year, one of the best to cover each team. So I need to shut up. I just need to tell you one thing. Tap in with us on Twitter at Adrian Radio 93 at the Bet Las Vegas. We appreciate y'all, but we need to get straight into the interviews. It's 11:40. The Bet. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to 11:40. The Bet Las Vegas. Adrian here on your NBA Finals preview show. And we're going to stay in the West Coast and head to the Bay right now as we welcome to the program Sam Esfandari of the Warriors Light Years Pod. One time for Joe Lacob. All insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download your BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. First and foremost, Sam, uh, thank you for the time. And has Disney reached out to you guys for a Light Years pod slash Light Year movie collab? <laughs> you know, we're, we're still waiting. Uh, I shot a message to them that there could be some real synergy here. But, you know, these things take time. No, honestly, with ABC covering the finals, too, and everything, like, you know, it's, it's a good collab. Where are you on the whole debate, though, about the fact that they did Toy Story 4 when, like, Toy Story 3 was, like, the perfect ending to the trilogy? You know, honestly, I didn't see three. I saw one and two. I didn't. I have not seen three yet, so I don't know if I can weigh in on this one. Uh, <laughs> maybe I need to pick. Maybe I need to pick that up. Uh, I, I have a small child now. At some point, I gotta get him into some of the the classics that I grew up on. But no, uh, to date, I have not. No, one hundred percent. Disney Plus is about to be your uh, babysitter coming up. I promise you. Um, and first and foremost, as we kick this off, and, and I told you before we started the interview. Um, but I think I just need to make this aware. 
because I don't want you to be like, what? He never told me. Um, I've been blocked by Warriors World before. Is this okay for us to be talking? <laughs> you know what? First thing I'm going to do when I get off this call is uh, hit up the group chat and see how he feels about you. <laughs> I think we're okay. I think we're okay. No, fit. well, and also, like, I'm from Cleveland, so, like I told you before, it's like I'm going into the heart of Warriors uh, Warriors Twitter. Um, but I do have to ask you, man, uh, throughout this run, or even before this run, just straight up, how do you feel about Monte Ellis? Like, how has he impacted your life? You know, uh if it wasn't if it wasn't for Monte, I don't know if any of this happens. Now, um, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when there was a Monte versus Steph debate. It, it's funny to me. Uh, gonna be honest, I was on the Steph side at the time, but most of most of my uh, Warrior brethren were were a little more loyal to Monte. He'd been there first. He was the bigger star at the time, so it is what it is. Yeah, and uh, you know, I got some allegiance to Mr. Ellis, but you were on the right side of history and. You know, it's funny me being from Cleveland, like it was hilarious that we had this era and this rivalry um, because both of our teams were in the dumps for so bad. Like, I'm sure you bought in the seven dollar ticket in Oracle Arena to go to a game. I did the same thing. Uh, What's been your favorite part of this run? And also like the community that you guys have built that's been amazing for you guys. Yeah, I mean, the community has definitely been my favorite part of it, like just being able to connect with people who let's, let's be honest, like Barry is big. Would I have connected with people who lived an hour and a half away uh, in San Jose, you know, me, me living up kind of towards the city Would I've connected with them. If it wasn't for the warriors going from being a laughing stock to kind of the most relevant team in the Bay area for the last decade. No. So that's, that's been cool. Uh, but more than anything, it's, you know, it gets back to what you're saying. It's like, I grew up, riding BART to go to Oakland A's and Golden State Warriors games. And both of those tickets cost me under 10 bucks. Uh, one of those tickets still cost me under 10 bucks. The other one, not so much. We might be stealing your team here in Vegas. I don't feel good about it. The, the A's, I don't, I don't really feel good about it. Honestly, I don't feel really good about the Raiders. Um, but it, it is what it is. Um, but, but back to the Warriors, you, you had to deal with the rivalry with Cleveland, and, and there's still some bitterness, um, obviously, uh, on the Cleveland side. But in comparison to, like, who is it? So it's Cleveland. I would assume Oklahoma City fans hate you guys. Um, and then yeah. now having to deal with Boston fans. Out of those three, like, like what's been the differences? For, it's, first off, Cleveland is the only rival. The, well, I know I take it back. Houston also should get thrown in there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Battles with the, with, with the James Harden, Chris Paul Rockets. Uh, but, like, nothing nothing tops peak Cleveland because you, you have LeBron at the peak of his powers. Everyone thought Cleveland was going to rip off three, four titles when LeBron went home, and no one really saw the Warriors coming, uh, including Warrior fans. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, I, just because I liked Steph more than Monte, I didn't think Steph was going to – reinvest the game of basketball you know like i didn't see that coming or anything i just thought he was a better point guard um and uh so nothing's ever going to touch it boston to me it's 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 funny because boston sports fans they're they're obnoxious like patriots red Sox, like we all know that and they're trying really hard to kind of create this rivalry i don't know if you saw like the the videos that you've seen, like, I don't know, Barstool and stuff put out there and whatever it may be. And I'm just sitting here and I'm just kind of like, yeah, but, you know, I don't really have bad blood with Jason Tatum. You know, like, I think he's a nice young player. You know, it's like, it's, 
it's funny because they really want Warriors fans to take the bait. And I just don't think Warrior fans feel that way about them. You know, it's, it's never going to be like it was with Cleveland where you saw them every year for half a decade or um, even the Houston Rockets who were like the only team in the West who really tried to come at the Warriors and had some classic series with them or anything. Uh, Boston, like, I mean, they're, bottom of the totem pole relative no 100 100 and also barstool sports Ugh, i don't know after this interview if we're ever going to get hired at the ringer i'm okay with that i don't know about you um and and in this in, in this series or actually hold on because i know i'm all over the place and i apologize i kind of want to get your take on how exhausting or, or is it exhausting having to have these conversations and, and kind of defend Steph Curry? Like, for example, the Steph Curry legacy talk or even what's been evident to me in this series. Um, and, and new report came out. He should be able to play for game four here on Friday night. But just like he's averaged over 30 points this series. Like he's been dominating offensively. He's been yeah, he's the main a, fixture. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. And he's. He, but he's not the vocal point. Like, it's Draymond, or it's always something else, or he doesn't have any finals MVPs. Like, And I know it's exhausting because I've spent my whole life arguing about LeBron being better than Jordan. So from your perspective, as a Warriors fan, like, how exhausting is it having to defend or talk about Steph and, like, making sure his respect and his credit is, is given? You know, um, I think you will relate to this. When, when you're dealing with a new opponent, you kind of assume they know what they're talking about. And then they remind you that they didn't watch anything the last decade. Like you have like Cedric Maxwell saying the Warriors, <laughs> they're, they're tuxedo players. They don't like physicality. Um, and like you see, you see uh, various people, national voices being like, well, you know, Steph hasn't really played in big games. And I'm just sitting here going, like, did you not watch basketball the last decade? You know, it's like when people would say, I guess, with LeBron, where it's like, well, you know, he, he's not clutch. And, and it's like 2018, you're sitting here at a certain point, you're like, I don't know where to even begin with this. Like, have you watched basketball the last decade? So it is definitely exhausting. Because I'm just, I kind of thought at a certain point, people would just reach a, like, I don't like him, but at least I, you know, tip my cap what he does type of thing. And like, the finals here are a reminder. It's like, oh, you guys like really tuned out everything that happened when your team wasn't playing. No, a hundred percent. Like, cause no, they'll love to throw the uh, seventeen championships at your face. Although it was the one in two thousand whatever, and then before that, like it's been a minute for them. Uh, when we're when we're talking about Boston specifically, and since we're kind of talking about some of the off court things surrounding these finals and, and some of the antics uh, when you bring up Cedric Maxwell. Yo, Draymond Green, <laughs> some of this stuff at a certain point seems a tad unnecessary. But then on the flip side, and I guess we're biased because what do we do? We make podcasts. We, we talk about the game. We get paid to talk about the game. We make content. And it, it's a certain point of like, do you want Draymond Green and NBA players to give you the content and the inside, insight? Like, do you want that or do you don't? Uh, with all this and people like complaining about he's not focusing on the game and he's doing a podcast, how dare he? Like, where do you stand on that whole storyline? I'm just, you know, I think you'll appreciate this, but it's like I guess fans who are like Draymond objectively was terrible in Game Three, and then first thing you see afterwards is like him smiling on YouTube. It's like, god damn it, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing, you know, like where you're just kind of like, I I don't want to deal with this right now, but it's like. Dude, 
you do realize like players do stuff after the game, right? Like they have lives. Would you prefer he, you know, like fly cross country and do WCW like Dennis Rodman did? Like ultimately he talked on a zoom call for 30 minutes, you know, like (laughs) what are we really getting mad about here for? So I, I just, I reject the premise that like he's unfocused doing that because it's like he, all, all these players after the game, they're going to go to dinner with their families. They might go out. They're going to, they're going to do something just to unwind. Right. So it's just like the only difference is he's, he's giving you something that you can watch on YouTube now. No, a hundred, a hundred percent. And it's like, yo, before we had to like read a newspaper or watch sports center to get one quote. And now you get an actual NBA player giving you how he feels. Uh, and in terms of, of this series and, and going into the specifics of this, I just want to know now uh, with the Steph injury, like I said before, he should be okay. And Boston taking the 2-1 lead. Where are you at right now? On the series, um, a lot of it depends on how healthy Steph is. We, we saw the, the play where Horford came up on it. Shams reported they're optimistic he's going to play game four. It's the finals. Unless he's in a cast, he's going to play. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be limited. So I kind of want to see how he is. If, if that Horford fall never happened, I'd tell you, you know what? It's kind of going how I expected. I think they're kind of evenly matched. I kind of like the Warriors' chances to win game four. And, it, it, you know, maybe it even goes seven. It's going to be one of those back-and-forth type of matchups. Um, but I'd be lying to you if, you know, watching kind of that little, uh, you know, clearly he fell hard on his leg. And it's one of those things where until I see Steph moving and he, and I see him moving like Steph, uh, I'm going to be a little, little nervous. Do do where did you fall on the side real quick of like letting him play out those? I know it was only like one or two minutes, and then Steve Kerr finally called the timeout and said, "No, no, no, let's let's get the starters out of there." But do you think Steve should have took him out like right after that incident? Honestly, I like that he let him play after it because it, it kind of like it did calm me down a little bit. It did make us feel like okay, you know, the the last thing you want to see is like him limping to the back room, right? Because then you're like, uh oh, you know. So for him to play through it, it gives you some confidence that he'll be okay and that he is okay. And all the reports suggest he's okay. Uh, but, you know, I just want to see how it looks. Because we've all, we've all banged something and it felt fine. And then the next day you're, like, limping around a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that's going to change the way I feel until the game starts and, you know, it looks normal. Uh, one, one thing I do want to ask you in, in terms of offensively, because it was just a weird – there were certain points where I saw Golden State kind of be like Boston where there were certain matchups where I, I know Boston went to the – they had Rob Williams out there, they had Al Horford out there. And in game one, Steph went off because of that, and they kind of didn't attack any of those bigs. But a, a big portion of – offense that wasn't there for me has kind of been Jordan Poole, which even in some of the games against Dallas has kind of fallen off. Um, what do you, what's your just overall view of Jordan Poole? And like, he needs to step up, correct? Like he needs to create this offense and help Steph out. Right. Literally was just talking about that. That's like my number one thing I want to see in game four. Um, right now, like, look, we, we know we've all seen like the numbers, how the Warriors, are much better when Steph's on the court than when he's off the court. Uh, shocking. You're better when your best player plays, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the drop-off they've had this series in the no-Steph minutes where Jordan Poole has to run the show has been awful. And um, 
you know, Poole's, Poole's been pretty damn good all playoffs. Like, there's no other way around it. He looks like a rising star. He looks like a player who the Warriors could potentially build around, like, you know, in the future, uh, you know, post-Steph years. And he's exciting. He's fun to watch. He's explosive. Uh, he's been bad in this series. And I don't know if they can beat Boston if he continues to stay bad. He, he doesn't need to put up, like, 30 like he was doing in some of the other ones. But he needs to give them something offensively because Boston's too good defensively for it just to be the, the one-man Steph show. Yeah, no, 100% here on the NBA Playoff Preview, 1140, the bet, Las Vegas. And one other question, too, uh, before we get you out of here, and thank you so much for the time. Kevon Looney, like I just brought up, Boston went back to to having Al Horford and Rob Williams to end the game and in big moments in Game 3. And not only has Kevon Looney been balling his ass off, but even in the paint, which Game 1 and 2, Boston wasn't getting those looks. Game three, they attacked. They were in the paint. Uh, the scoring margin, I think, it was like 52 to 36 or 26. It was a huge discrepancy. And I look at the box score. Kevon Looney only played 16 minutes and 49 seconds. Do you think it was just circumstantial of Steve Kerr going, yeah, let's go small. Let's ride this out small and see if we can pull this out. Or do you expect him to play a little bit more as the series progresses? I think, I think both of those are true. I think it was circumstantial. I think they were trying to uh... – they ignited the run going small. Like, Boston was up 15, Warriors went small, they tied the game up. So it was working. And and Looney's always kind of one of those guys where some games it's 30 minutes, some games it's 10 minutes. It's kind of like really matchup dependent. But, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been really good for them all playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if game four, for example, they went the opposite way and they're like, yeah, Looney, uh, we need you in there and we need you to, like, gobble up 15 rebounds because um, – that's just the way it goes. Two-part question to get you out of here. Number one, okay. who do you think is going gonna, is gonna to win this series now Now that it's 2-1 Boston? And number two, more importantly, <laughs> in terms of just being ignorant and the arrogance, like how big would winning this championship without KD and now giving the rest of the NBA no ammo to go at your fan base, how big would that be? <laughs> One, I'm sticking with my Warriors in seven. That was my pre-series pick. I'm not going to pivot off of it until you tell me Steph's not playing. Um, and two, you're going to want to block me if that happens, to be honest. Uh, it's, I, like, not only winning one without KD, but doing it while the Brooklyn Nets are a complete and utter mess. Like, we, Boston swept them in round one. The Warriors take care of Boston and kind of just – put that narrative to bed that, you know, oh, it's KD's ring. No, KD needed the Warriors more than the Warriors needed KD is the way it's looking right now. And, yeah, Bars? Um, if, you find War- if you find Warriors fans insufferable now, you do not want to see what happens if they win this series. Oh, boy. I'm not looking forward to your friend Andy's <laughs> tweets. Uh, speaking of uh, your friend Andy, uh, before we get you out of here, if you could just let everybody know uh, where they can reach you on social media. Again, the Warriors Light Years podcast, where they can get that. Um, you know, shout out whoever before we get you out of here. Yeah, you can find um, you can you can find the Light Years Pod on anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Andy and I are doing a post show every game of this series. Obviously, there's only four left at most on Spotify Live as well. You can hop on the app there and listen to us in live time. Ask us questions, sort of like talk radio style. But yeah, subscribe. Uh, Light Years Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen. 
All right, we're, we're doing the virtual handshake. Cleveland Cavaliers and, and Warriors Twitter coming together for 20 minutes, and we didn't end up yelling at each other. Uh, yo, Sam, thank you so I much. I think that's. I think we got to thank Boston for bringing us together. We can all we can both acknowledge, you know, we we both we we can unite in beating a common enemy here. Not only that, but Barstool's bar, Barstool Sports. <laughs> We'll leave it at that. That's how we'll end the interview. It's 1140 The Bet. We'll be right back. Hey, it's 1140 The Bet Las Vegas. Adrian Hernandez here with your NBA Finals preview. And we just were in the Bay Area. And now let's take a red-eye flight to Boston to get the Celtics perspective. John Corrales joins us. He covers the Celtics for the Boston Sports Journal and the Locked On Celtics podcast. All insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insight the sportsbooks don't want you to see. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. John, first and foremost, uh, thank you for joining us here in Las Vegas. Momentum is going Boston's way. How are you feeling about the series? I mean, I, I do agree that the momentum is going Boston's way. I mean, it's not just that they won game two. I, I think that the way they're winning these games, uh, I, I think I, it shows that they've got a, a good game plan. They've got good personnel. Um, I, I feel pretty confident in the Celtics' ability to win the series. And and with you covering this team this entire year, and and I think you talked about it in your latest article that this eighth month, eighth eight-month journey, excuse me, that the Celtics have been on. Uh, it's interesting to me when you we talk about the start of the season comparing the Celtics and Warriors because it was kind of polar opposite. There was some drama on the Celtics side. Meanwhile, the Warriors, they started like 18-2 and two or something like that. But yep. that second-half start for the Celtics and being the most dominant team in the second half, was it just the all-star break? Or, like, what did Coach Udoka really, you know, point to and go to that this team bought in and then made them start so hot in the second half. Yeah. It's a combination of things. I mean, first thing that happened is they got healthy. They had some injuries earlier in the year, COVID, uh, all that, all that craziness. Um, that all kind of went away. So you had a healthy team starting in January. Second thing you had was, um, I think uh, a turning point in that early January New York Knicks loss where the Celtics blew a 25-point lead and uh, R.J. Barrett hits a, a three-pointer in, in Jason Tatum's face. And everybody kind of points to that game as the, the, the moment where the Celtics were like, okay, enough. We're, we're, we're done with the trying to do this our way. We're going to completely buy into what the, um, what the coach is, is trying to do. And then the third thing is the trade deadline where they traded uh, Dennis Schroeder and uh, Josh Richardson. I think those, those moves got a couple of ball stoppers out and brought in Derek White, who was a ball mover, a very astute, like, .5 San Antonio ball movement kind of guy. And they brought Daniel Tyson to kind of get a little bit of depth in the, in the front court. So all of those things together came together at the same time to help Boston turn things around. And as we as we get into this this NBA Finals and everything that's happened, uh, and, and in terms of this series, and despite the box score and, and Game Two and what happened there, I really thought and I really think like even throughout the entire playoffs, Jason Tatum has kind of grown up in front of our eyes and and how 
these teams are defending him. And, you know, last game, he kind of followed Jalen's, you know, Jalen was aggressive from the start of the game, and he was attacking. And to me, Jason was attacking with purpose. Like, instead of going to the lane trying to get a foul call, no, he was trying to get a bucket. And I think Synergy Sports um, also said he's created 45% of Boston's points in the finals. Uh, From your perspective, what have you seen from Jason Tatum? Yeah, Tatum, I think, when when he's at his best, that's what he's doing. Uh, North-South kind of playing through people. He's a big guy. And I, I really do think that sometimes he has to kind of remind himself how big of a guy he is. He's like 6'9", 6'10", um, broad shoulder. I mean, this this dude is is like Giannis Light. And so I think he needs to kind of get into that mode of constantly attacking and not gliding like he likes to do. Because when you glide and you get fouled, it's hard for the refs to see it. But if you're going north-south and you get fouled and it knocks you off your path, there's an obvious, oh, yeah, that, that got him the, the, the foul in the free throw. So I, I think that is is part of his progression as a driver. And then, you know, Ime has put a big emphasis on him kind of uh, with the playmaking. And you, you see the, the stats. The Celtics are, are undefeated when he has seven or, seven or more assists in the playoffs. So I think those kind of – those two elements really make Jason Tatum a, a very, very dangerous player, even when – Golden State wants to double him, blitz him. He can get off the ball. And I think in game three, what you really saw is he got off the ball a little bit quicker, didn't let them get into those passing lanes, and and that really helped the ball movement, and the Celtics really started to score very well. And and another dude who had a huge game, and those three days off really helped him, uh, is Robert Williams. And I want to get your insight on what you saw from him last night and also the concern of, you know, they, they're resting today, but we got game four tomorrow. And how, mon- how many minutes do you think he's going to play? Because I know he played 25 game three. That was the most he's played in the, in the final so far. But just talk to me about Robert Williams. Yeah, Rob was great. I mean, I, you had three guys scoring 20-plus points and five or more assists in that game. And I thought Rob was the guy who stood out the most. He's so pivotal. When, when he's playing well, the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. Honestly, I think. When, when he's able to do what he does best, that just changes the entire dynamic of their defense. It allows them to just be so uh, locked down with their defense because him roaming, you saw it. He, he had four block shots, but coming over on guys and like leaving his guy uh, roaming in that, in that help side and, and coming over to block shots, it just it helps because it allows the, the other perimeter guys to understand, like, hey, if you do make a mistake, he's there to bail you out. But also, you can be more aggressive on the perimeter knowing that there's that safety net back there. So it really has a ripple effect on the defense. And then offensively, just to have that lob threat is huge because so many times Boston's turnovers, which is really the story of this series, Boston's turnovers, when they get in too deep and they have no outlets, when you can get deep and have Rob there and you know you see a guy or two or three coming at you, uh, you know you can just kind of throw it up towards the rim and he's going to go get it. So Rob, when he's healthy or close to healthy, I, I mean, I don't even know what percentage he is, but uh, it's, it's enough. And so, yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think there's a concern with just the one day off, 
how much he's going to be able to give in game four. But uh, I think he's learning how to manage that injury and play with that injury. And I want to ask you, because obviously I'm, I'm outside perspective here. I've seen I've seen most of the games, but I haven't seen them all, and I'm not covering them like you. But I want to know if I'm on the right path. Uh, what impressed me the most and what I think the Celtics are, at least offensively at their best, is when Marcus Smart is not only that facilitator, but I think in last game he was kind of the pressure point of the offense of getting into the paint and driving. Because to me, when he's driving and he's able to kick out to Jalen, or to Jason, and then they can go into the paint and drive, that's when you get Al Horford open and something like game one can happen. Am I on the right path in, in thinking that and having that philosophy? Yeah, yeah, I think you are. I think Marcus is his best as a true point guard. And so this this makes things interesting for the Celtics because when he's not playing well, he's taking some ill-advised shots, he's trying to do a little too much. Um, the Celtics like to put the ball in Tatum's hands and Brown's hands, even Horford's hands sometimes to start the offense, which pushes Smart off the ball. And, and that, that's where he gets into a little bit of trouble because when he's off the ball, he has a tendency to, hey, I'm a catch-and-shoot guy. I'm going to catch, and I'm going to shoot. And if he's not doing it at the right time uh, in the shot clock, then you know you, you get the early shots, the quick shots, um, the ill-advised ones. When he's the point guard, when he starts the, with the ball in his hands, you can see his mentality change. He doesn't, he doesn't want to take those quick shots. He actually wants to drive. He actually wants to facilitate and, and initiate the offense. So I, I would like to see the Celtics continue to play that a little bit more. And, you know, obviously you have to mix it up. But the more he has the ball in his hands to start a possession – the more effective Smart is because he's initiating and he's playing with a true point guard mentality. And and to me, we, we talked about it here, the aggressiveness and just as important was the no hesitation in some of the decision-making for the team overall. And, of course, that was a response to Golden State in Game 2. So i got to ask you, what do you think is more likely, a Game 3 performance with the aggressiveness or Game 2 without the post presence and kind of let's all chill by the three-point lane and not drive? You know, if I had that answer, I'd be I'd be out there in Vegas <laughs> making some money. Right. Um, that's that's the issue with the Celtics. Um, I'd like to think that they 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 are learning and they understand that this is a unique situation. Game four at home, got the home crowd behind you and a chance to go up 3-1, this is a, a real opportunity to seize complete control of this series. So whatever buttons Ime Hitoka needs to push, he needs to push them right now because that's what the Celtics need to do is come out with that same level of aggression. The quick shots, if he sees it, honestly, if, if they come out and they start taking quick, shots three-pointers with 22 seconds on the shot clock I'd call a timeout 30 seconds into the game and sit them down and be like nope that is not what we're doing here and they need that they need that jolt sometimes so it's it's been it's been a little tough the Celtics have not handled they're great with adversity they're not great with prosperity when things are going well (laughs) they tend to be like ah we're good we're good when when their backs are up against the wall pick the Celtics every single time 
because they don't they don't give in. They're very very tough team that way. But they're 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 the, the the people like when you when you find twenty bucks in your pocket, what do you do with it? The Celtics find twenty bucks in the pocket, they're spending that like immediately. They don't they don't save their money. They don't build their wealth. <laughs> so that's what the Celtics need to do. They need to build on their wealth right now because uh, if they can, then they have basically. I would like to say two shots to win the title game, game five in San Francisco, game six at home. Those are two grand opportunities to win a title. Plus they, I, I'm right. They haven't lost back to back in the playoffs yet. Right. They have not, not only that they haven't lost back to back games in months. Um, if you, if you throw out the Toronto game where they rested four starters, that's so, nuts. <laughs> yeah. They, they are a resilient group. They haven't lost in the playoffs two in a row. Um, it's been, I don't know, February since March, since they've lost two in a row. It, it's been a long, long time. Those are uh, very good problems to have. Um, and yeah. a talking point, um, especially during the broadcast, is the drop coverage with Al Horford and mm-hmm. Steph Curry in these first three games. I'm going to be honest with you, after the first quarter of game one, I was very surprised that he went back to it in game two. And and I know in the postgame he was asked about it, and it was like, hey, look, we, we need to show him different different defensive just schemes. And I know that the Celtics this season haven't necessarily blitzed, but to you, what do you make of the decision of trying out the drop coverage against Steph? You know, at first I was confused, and now I'm starting to come around on maybe it's brilliant because what's – if we think about everybody who's listening, think about Steph and his true, true brilliance. When he's at his best, it's not even off the dribble. It's when he gives the ball up, he runs through three screens. He's impossible to stay with. And then he turns and catches and shoots and he gets these wide, wide, wide open opportunities. The Celtics, they're still tweaking this coverage. They still need to be further up on, on some of these. And I think the Celtics really want to force Steph to get into some longer twos and not those threes because, you know, stepping into open three-pointers is really not the strategy. So they still have to tweak where the big is. But the drop coverage on Curry, I now think, is to encourage Curry to just keep going one-on-one and to not be a facilitator, and to not be the guy that starts the avalanche of Warriors passing that makes them absolutely impossible to cover because they're one of the best passing teams, best cutting teams, best off-ball movement teams. The more you keep it in Steph's hands, it sounds kind of crazy, but it's actually like a martial arts technique. You move towards the danger, (laughs) and that's how you neutralize it. You move towards the danger with Steph Curry, and you say, all right, we see you. We know how dangerous you are. You do it, and you do it all by yourself. And, look, he's 34. There's only so much he can do. With these teammates, I think possibly this drop coverage is something that is, is designed to take away a lot of what the rest of the Warriors can do and to challenge Steph to say, you gotta, we don't think you can carry these guys anymore on your own with super high usage at, at this age. 
John, you got everybody's attention. I'm going to be honest with you with that answer right there. <laughs> John Corral is joining us from the Boston Sports Journal and the Locked On Celtics podcast. And you were there for game three. And, and since we are talking about Steph, uh, your opinion, number one, was it dirty or not? You know, we got to get into the antics. And then also, like, I do think, and I know he did say earlier today that he is going to play. But this is a huge deal because Jordan Poole hasn't been playing good and he has been the bulk of his offense. Like, to me, this is humongous if that ankle is not right. Are you are you asking if Al Horford's play was dirty? Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. I, I, the, the mere suggestion that that was dirty is, is absolutely, uh, I think, uh, a farce. Like, Al, Hor- Al Horford was diving for the ball. Um, I, I, I don't think... I'll put it this way. If, if anybody thinks that that play is dirty, you've never played a day of basketball in your life because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. That was and – then, and then on top of it, Al Horford. Al Horford? You think Al Horford's doing something dirty? No, no, no. That's, that's, that's outrageous. No, that was – you know, if you watch the entire play and how many bodies were on the floor diving, that's just a byproduct. When, when the ball is on the floor – Everybody hits the deck, and you know, as they say, the first of the ball gets you know wins, and that's that's all that was. Now it's unfortunate that Steph was underneath, and no one wants to see Steph get hurt. Like that's not that's not how the Celtics uh, operate. No one wants to see anybody get hurt, um, and you hope that he's back at full strength. If he's not, that's that's a real tough blow to the Warriors. But I think I couldn't say this strongly enough. Any suggestion that Al Horford's play was dirty is an utter joke. And, and speaking of Al Horford, uh, were you surprised um, that the Celtics went back to the two-big lineup? And then we talked about Rob, uh, Rob Williams. He, he played huge. He also played healthy, which meant out in the perimeter, unlike game two, he wasn't toast. Um, and also, in those situations where, where Al and Rob were in, were you surprised Golden State? Like, they didn't really try to attack that, which surprised me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought they might play Looney more. Um, the, the giving up the offensive rebounds, the 15 offensive rebounds, was, was a big deal there. Um, I, I'm not surprised. Like, Ime is going to go with whatever works. So if he sees that Derek White is having a, a bad game, then Derek White plays fewer minutes than he, he's used to playing. If, um, if he's playing a great game, then he'll play 35 minutes. And that, that's just what Ime is going to do. And especially in the, in, in the finals, the finals is no time for formulas. The finals is what's working. Is somebody having a bad game? Boom, sit down or minimize them or somehow, you know, you, you've got to, I mean, minus you're obviously your star, superstar players. You've got to let them play through it. But um, going back to the double big when, when Rob is healthy, that's, that's how the Celtics have had their the best defense in the league and been one of the most dominant teams in the league. Uh, Golden State, I, I'm very curious to see what their response is going to be and and how how that little chess match goes but um if rob if rob is anywhere near healthy he he's going to be on the floor and, and john we appreciate your time just a couple more questions uh, strong stuff strong strong stuff we appreciate the insight i'm going to have to i'm going to have to ask you this cuz cuz i'd get yelled at by my boss if i don't um <laughs> the whole the whole draymond green whether it's on the court on the podcast 
and even Clay Thompson now for his second finals to be whining and complaining over again. By the way, I'm from Cleveland, so I enjoy saying all of what I just said. <laughs> um, uh, what do you what do you make of it? And even like I. It, like like last night with Draymond Green in the, in the uh, press conference where he made fun of that poor guy who was just asking about the X's and O's. Like to me, it's not the point of like I don't think he's giving out the strategy of the game. But at the same time, like if you have content out there, like we don't need bulletin board material. I just this whole fiasco and kind of how like Draymond Green has overtaken like Steph Curry's averaging over thirty points and has been playing amazing. He's an afterthought. It it just the whole situation yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, Dray, Draymond is uh he's always been like a unique character, right? Um but you know, now with his podcast, he keeps plugging the podcast, you know, and look, as, as a podcast host, I appreciate the hustle. But at the same time, you are in the NBA finals and I I think one thing that these athletes are learning is that when you just go out there and say, hey, I'm going to take control of my platform, so to speak, you really run the risk of digging a hole for yourself, and it's hard to climb out of those holes because I know how tough it is to keep talking for half an hour by yourself or however long Draymond talks by himself. And Draymond is unfiltered and and isn't isn't like his mindset isn't, hey, I'm going to be professional broadcaster, he's talking smack on a podcast, and he's talking smack out everywhere. It's hard to, it's hard to balance that and talk as much as he does with the, with the attitude behind it without saying stuff that kind of you know, gets you into a little bit of trouble, either by offending somebody or by triggering the, the opponent and, and getting riling up a crowd, and, and you kind of – I don't know. You don't want to rile up a crowd in the finals like that. The more, the more you piss off Celtics fans, the more they're going, the louder they're going to be, and that place is going to be extraordinarily, extraordinarily loud. And if people, if they want to complain about the language that was used, I mean, I get it. But those players using the same language on the floor, don't come at me and tell me, oh, the kids. Won't somebody think of the children? Like, what are you talking about? You guys use the exact same language on the court in front of children. I mean, Draymond swore in front of his own son on the on the podium. Like, spare me this this you know sanctimonious stuff. Like, come on, that's just you know what that was. It's they're they're upset that they lost and they understand that they are they are in a, a tough spot. They're frustrated with themselves. And they project out, and they they put it on somebody else. They're they're more frustrated about themselves than anything. And on the flip side, I guess this will be my last question. And I know you you were at practice earlier today and and got some quotes. But to me, another thing that is huge is that they survived the Steph being Steph, and you know Clay actually yep. showing up. So and the barrage that they had in Game Three. In your estimation, right now with the Celtics, how confident are they are? after surviving that? Well, I mean, it's just like anything, right? Like if you're afraid of heights and you jump out of a plane and you land and, you know, you get that you know picture with the thumbs up and the parachute and all that, <laughs> then you land and you're like, oh, my God, I did that, and you feel good about yourself. So there's a natural inclination to be like, oh, okay, they, they did it. Steph did his thing. Clay did his thing. 
and, and we survived. We were able to pull ourselves out of the tailspin. Because one of the things that, that's been a, a real killer for the Celtics is they have let things cascade and go down further, further, further. You know, that, that big explosion from Steph, they turned it around at the end of the third quarter. The, uh, the Warriors took a lead, but the Celtics took the lead right back. And that's a big deal. It makes you wonder if the Celtics can, in game four, pull out of that a little bit sooner next time and, and, and make it a more normal quarter. You know, Steph's going to have his run, but instead of the last four minutes where you turn things around, maybe you turn around at the six-minute mark and you take control of things a little bit more easily. So, I mean, I'm not in their heads. They seem like a comfortable group. They seem like a confident group, but they're always confident. They were, they were sitting there saying, we're, we're confident when they were 18 and 21, and I was asking them, why can't you guys you know, finish fourth quarters? Now here they are in the finals blowing the Warriors out in the fourth quarter. And so if, if, if they do have that natural reaction of like, okay, we withstood it, now we know we can, we can do it, let's go do it again, then maybe they'll be able to take care of that a little bit sooner. Something's going to happen. One of those things has to break, right? Either the Celtics have to be better in the third quarter or the Warriors are going to figure out a fourth quarter. But one of those things is going to change, and that team's going to win. An underrated factor, too, with either of these teams, if you make a mistake on either side, in real time, the other team is going to take advantage of it. But, John, we appreciate everything, all the insight. Be sure to follow John, John underscore Corrales. He covers the Celtics for the Boston Sports Journal. Go check out and subscribe to the Locked on Celtics podcast. John, thank you so much for the time. Strong stuff, my man. You got it. Thank you very much. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bada bing, bada boom, and just like that, my favorite hour of the week has come to a close. Special thanks to John Corrales, who just joined us on behalf of Locked On Celtics. Special thanks to Sam Esfandari from the Light Years podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy the weekend without no basketball after game four. Yes, we're going to have to wait till Monday night, but that's okay, all right? Be sure to hit us up on Twitter at AdrianRadio93 at the Bet Las Vegas. And it's kind of sad, man, as this comes to a close that, you know, we only unfortunately... Mark it down for next Saturday. We only got one more episode left of your NBA Finals preview. And to be honest, I don't know, but the series might even be over before then. But still, we'll wrap up the season or we'll be talking about a Game 7. Either way, we'll be here for you once again. Hit us up at Adrian Radio 93 on Twitter, at the Bet Las Vegas. I will talk to you guys Monday afternoon with Lindsey Brown on the Playmakers. Enjoy this weekend, and most importantly, stay safe, stay hydrated, and enjoy the weekend. Peace. Thanks for Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.